So I remember, I think I was like 18 or 19 years old and uh, Alan Nation, my second mentor, um, he's, he told me, by the way, he's the guy that taught me to read a book a day. I had met him and uh, through Joel Salatin and he was like quoting all this stuff. And I was like, how do you know all these things? And he said, oh, I read a book today before breakfast. So I was like, what did that mean? He's like, yeah, I read a book a day before breakfast. He had a real photographic memory, so it was pretty unique. But from there, I got this idea uh, for what I do you know, now and read. So he said something else a few months later that was fascinating. He said, Ty, you want to know the most important question you can memorize if you want to be successful? I was like, sure. What is it? So the most important question you can ask anybody is, if you were me, what would you do? Now, that sounds obvious, but it's not. For example, you know, I talk a lot about getting a mentor. So let's say you're going to reach out to a few different people. You want to start a business. You meet somebody. I've found as people approach me sometimes to be their mentor, that people come up with the weirdest, worst possible ways of approaching me. They'll say things like, oh, you know, I'm really successful and blah, 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 blah. And they never really get to the point. They don't come off very humble. If you ask this exact question, it literally can change your life. And by the way, I was at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting with Warren Buffett and he said, somebody said, what should I do to... um you know, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm in college. And Warren Buffett gave a very similar answer. I think this Alan Nation told me he got this from the book uh, Swim with the Sharks or something like that. I forget the name of the book now, if you want to look it up. So let's just imagine your life if you start asking this question. So you bump into people. Let's say you're thinking of stuff and starting a coffee shop. You bump into somebody who has a coffee shop or you seek them out actively. They're very successful in whatever they do. You know, when you sit down with them, it's hard to know what to say. Just try this. Say to them, go, look, here's my situation. I've always wanted to open a coffee shop, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't have, I have $10,000 saved up. I'm 22 years old. And then you just ask him, if you were me right now, but you knew everything you knew as a successful coffee shop owner, what would you do? And literally, then you have to shut up. And people will unveil the most amazing secrets about business, about invest. I had someone the other day ask me, What's the, I just want to learn about investing. What's the best day to invest? I'm like, go track down an amazing investor and just say to him, hey, listen, here's my scenario. So you got to take about five or 10 minutes to tell your story because they're not going to be able to give you personalized stuff if you haven't really hit on your story. But once you tell your story, then just say, and there's a couple of variations. Sometimes I just say it as simple as, what would you do if you were me? Sometimes I say, uh, kind of an inverted version of it, I say, if you um, knew what you knew now, but you were me, what would you do differently in your life? Sometimes if you ask the first version of the question and the person doesn't give you a real insightful answer, you want to kind of keep inverting and spinning and going around the circle. Your end goal is for them to open up and obviously give you tricks of the trade, which people will do. You know, it's not like you're tricking them or manipulating them. You're just literally asking an open ended question. So, um, 
recently I was talking to Jonathan, uh, no, I was talking to, uh, Dr. Molum, Sharon Molum, who wrote inheritance. I was on the phone with him and I said, I just posed the question cause he's an expert on anti-aging and genetics and epigenetics and all this. And I was saying, look, if you were me and you wanted to be super healthy, knowing everything, you know, as one of the leading doctors in the world on genetics, what would you do different? I think I asked him what he'd do different. I asked Ben Greenfield this. I was like, man, if you could go back, I didn't ask it in a first person asking about me. I said, Ben, if you could go back and you could be 18 again as a top fitness expert, everything that's in your brain now at, you know, in your thirties, but you could be 18, what would you do different? So I asked him variation number two of that question. And he gave me amazing advice. He said, you know, I wouldn't overtrain like I did. I would sleep a lot more and I would have more gratitude. I would, now he keeps this gratitude journal. So as simple as that sounds, and of course he expanded on it. It's super insightful for me to hear from a top Ironman athlete. He's been named uh, hundred or one of the hundred most influential people in the field of health on the planet right now. If you do a normal interview, which is what most people do, you don't get that answer. They kind of bounce around it. This way is it cuts right to the chase. Now, let me give you a third one that is an even uh, more potent way. And sometimes it's kind of too intense for people. So I like to, that's why I'm giving you a few different versions of this same thing. The third question that I like to ask, I said, if today was your last day on planet earth, right? You're going to be dead tomorrow. And you had to leave a manual for your kids or friends or brothers or sisters about how to achieve the success that you've achieved, what would you write in the journal? Three things. It's got to be simple. You just got to, you know, you got an hour left on this planet. What would you write? And that question, like I said, it's a little more intense. If you're in like a casual setting, you got to be careful if you're just like, oh, if you're going to die tomorrow. But um, I'll give you an example. Like I said, it's, you can do it lighthearted, a little more intense, and that's the super intense version. The lighthearted one is the first one I gave you where you just go, hey, if you were me and you wanted to, you know, start a company, what would you do? The second variation is where you kind of, because it's a little more aggressive and it's a little more, I wouldn't say it's damning of them, but they'd have to admit some flaws. The second variation is like, what would you do differently? So sometimes I start with the first one. If I don't get an insightful answer, I make it a little more intensive of a question. What would you do different? Now they're admitting they have some, made some mistakes, which most successful people have no problem uh, admitting that they have mistakes, right? So then the third question is if you still haven't gotten insight and you're more like in an intimate setting, you've known them maybe a little bit longer, that's when you pull out the big guns and go, all right, this is the deathbed uh, wish that you have. What would you do? different. I talked to Dick Marconi. I asked this question. He's one of the founders of Herbalife. I think he's a billionaire or about a billionaire now and started a multi-billion dollar company, him and another guy. And I said, I asked that question. I was at his Ferrari museum. He has like a hundred Ferraris or whatever on the wall. He's smart. He figured out how to make it tax deductible. I think it's a museum, you know? So, I mean, I don't mean that like it was a real museum, but it's a very smart way to have, if you want to own Ferraris. And so he said, he said, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't travel so much. That was his thing. So I got, or he's like, I wish I had traveled more with my family. 
So that's insight that goes into your brain. If you've been listening to the stuff that I talk about, life's all about injection of knowledge and the removal of ignorance. This is one of the most potent ways. That's why I say, you know, what's the most important question you can ever ask somebody? This is the one. So I, uh, not too long ago, I had a, some of the guys that were in the movie Twilight, the actors, they were here at my house doing a little photo shoot. And one of them, his name's Noel Fisher. You might know him. He's uh, actually in this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles new movie, and he's in uh, the Showtime, some Showtime special, and he was in Twilight, the vampire movie. And I asked him, I was like, man, why do you think so many people succeed in, uh, so many people fail in Hollywood, like 300,000 or 400,000 people a year move into this town. I'm here in the Hollywood Hills. They move down there and they are out in three or four or five months. And I asked him, like, why do you think you made it? So that's another variation. And he gave a kind of a cool answer. You know, he said, you have to find, I think his exact words were, you have to be you, meaning not in a cheesy cliche way. He was literally saying when he came to Hollywood, and if you look at the guy, he's like, he's not a very big guy. And he's like very pale skin, blonde hair. And he just went with what he was, which is like this pale skin person. He didn't try to be something else. And it landed him a role in a movie, Twilight, which is definitely about pale skin people and made him, you know, whatever, famous. So that was a little bit of insight. Again, that goes into the library of my brain, downloading the, the smartest people's stuff into your brain, their experiences. And I've done this. I've been to 51 countries asking some variation of that question. Ask people to dig deeply into their brain and don't, if they don't bite on the first question, get a little more intense. And eventually everyone, in my experience, if you do it, you know, in a non kind of threatening way, everybody tells you something massively insightful. I don't care if you meet Steven Spielberg, if you meet Oprah Winfrey, this is the question. If I had two minutes with Warren Buffett, that's the question I would ask. With Bill Gates, that's what I'd ask. Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., if I could go back in time and, you know, spend uh, uh, an hour or 30 minutes with Abraham Lincoln, Aristotle, Socrates, Alexander the Great, I'd be like, man, and you're at the end of your life here. Looking back with all the wisdom you've accumulated because the problem with life, like the Dutch say, you know, I talk about this a lot, we're too soon old and too late smart. The main problem with humans is it would be way more efficient if we lived to like five or 600 years old because then all the learning curve stuff gets out of the way in the first 50 years of life and then you can utilize. That's why, you know, my buddy wants to work on anti-aging stuff. I'm like, dude, that's the greatest thing ever because if you could add another 50 years to people's life, that last 50 years would be using all that life experience. But obviously no one's figured out this anti-aging thing. So the best way you can, uh, the best next thing you can do instead of literally going back in time or or uh, trying to get up, come up with a pill that, and by the way, Dr. Molum, I asked him, he's like, man, it's gonna be hard to reverse aging. To shorten the telomeres um, at a genetic level, he said, you, cancer, all these issues. I hope one of you listening becomes the, uh, person who solves aging, but right now no one's figured it out. So your best next bet is to reverse aging by just picking up the knowledge from people. Now, this implies, by the way, a few points. One of the problems, when I lived with the Amish for a couple of years, very interesting, they use one-room classrooms. So all the grades, first grade, second grade, everyone's in one classroom together. Interestingly enough, here somewhere in my book list, you can see my stacks. Hopefully these won't fall over. But 
the Ray Kroc book, the guy who started McDonald's, he, uh, he went to a one-room classroom. So the advantage of these one-room classrooms like Laura Ingalls Wilder or these books is that you become more intergenerational in your understanding. One of the problems I see in Hollywood here and a lot of high schools around the world, you stick a whole bunch of people of the same age together. There's no insight there. Everybody's like the blind leading the blind. So for you, you know, I talk about the law of 33% in my TED Talk, but another law that you should follow, and I read somewhere, I wish I had written it down, but sometimes I read too many books and I, if I try to take too many notes, I freaking uh, slows me down too much. But this one book said to be happy, this um, scientist had found our brain is hardwired to need to see every day, see babies, like really young children, and to see really old people. Like that's how the wiring of our brain is made up. So in your life, I talk about the law of 33%, spending time with 33% of people of your time should be spent around people lower than you in terms of accomplishment. And you can help them. They make you feel good about yourself. Then you can have 33% of people on your level. Those are your peers. And then 33% people who are way above you. Those push you and your mentors. But also apply that same rule with your age category, right? There's definitely value to spending 33% of your time with people much younger than you. For sure, it keeps you young, you know? It's like, um, I think Jesus Christ said, uh, I'm not that religious, but you'll notice I quote from all over the place. But Jesus Christ said, um, unless you become like a child, you'll never enter into the kingdom. Like there's something to being reborn by osmosis around people younger than you, then obviously there's a peer group kind of camaraderie that comes from people on your level, but spend 33% of your time around people 20, 30 years older than you because then you can ask this question to them. Now, one caveat about asking this question. Be careful who you ask because don't shotgun this question out. Life is like poker, right? You never know the hand that's going to be given you. You never know what tomorrow. You can be the greatest person. You can be the smartest person in the world, and you hit by a car. It's completely out of your control. There's nothing you can do. So life's like every day you're being dealt a, a, a hand of cards, and it's all about probabilities. How well can you play that probability? So one of the probabilities that's super important to play is um, – who you ask this question because the answer is so powerful because people are like pouring out their life to you that if you're not careful, you'll start adopting people's ideas that maybe are not a good hand of poker to play. So I don't recommend you ask this question every day. In fact, I would say unless you're running into geniuses at every moment of every day, I recommend you ask this question like once a month to somebody maximum. Now, if you can get on the phone with somebody who's worth it, then this is the first question you should ask. I had, um, uh, what's his name? I had a Don Ravine here. I asked them this question, you know, the hoops whisper, top trainer, of basketball, all the basketball stars. I had Oren Clough from Pitch Anything. We went to see a comedy show the other day and, um, same question. You know, I asked them, I was interviewing them on raising money. I was like, if you had to do one thing, like I get to the bottom of it. That's what this whole question is like. Get right to the point because if you're not careful, people are going to just babble around the question. So I was like, if someone wants to raise money, what is like the thing? And he basically said, get the money when you don't need it. <laughs> That's the secret. Like once you're desperate and people sniff that, 
You're not going to be able to raise capital for your business. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder. So he said, go into it where you're the prize. Like, hey, I got this business deal. If you want it, you want it. If not, and he said, that is an attitude. So, you know, here's a guy, Orrin Clough, literally helped people raise billions of dollars, revamped all of how Silicon Valley works in terms of how money's being raised. They're all using his techniques. And I was able to distill that down so quickly by having this set of questions. So remember, first variation is, if you were me, what would you do? Second variation is, you know, if you were me and you were back in my shoes and you didn't want to make the mistakes you made, what would you do differently that I can follow? That's the little more intense. And the third one is, look, today's your last day on earth. You're leaving a manual for me and your loved ones about what to do to get where you are without all the nightmares that it took to get there, what does your manual say? If you can memorize those questions, I'm telling you, you'll change your whole life. And again, remember, don't shotgun it out. It's like medicine. Some medicine, you start taking antibiotics too much, it stops working. And what will happen with this question, if you ask the wrong people, they'll give you some advice that's not that good, even though the question is good and leads them to the right set of advice, you're dealing with a person that doesn't have the raw materials. If you just ask your buddy's friend, grandma or something, what qualifies her? Just remember, being old doesn't necessarily qualify you for wisdom. Uh, it increases the odds you're wise, but it, there's a lot of dumb old people. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm just saying, think about it. Think about it. There's crazy people that are old. It's not sometimes... You know, senescence bias is one of the 25 cognitive biases. Sometimes the process of aging, literally any increase in wisdom is offset by a wacky factor. You, Your brain, the synaptic relays just start falling apart. In fact, you know, I'm in Mensa now. For, they say in Mensa, I remember reading in the journal, 14 years old, 14, 15, your IQ peaks. So just because someone's 70 doesn't mean anything. So what I like to do is get older people that you can see some level of a track record, whether it be in business, health, wealth, happiness, but it doesn't always have to be old people. It's really about expertise. Um, one of the 67 steps that I'm talking about, in fact, um, for those of you who have gotten that, if you haven't, definitely check it out on my site, the 67 steps to getting whatever you want. You know, really the first and foundational one of all the 67 steps is this kind of worth a damn factor. And so worth a damn, I talk about, there's no absolute that makes somebody worth listening to. Just because someone wrote a book here, who is this? Oh, Pat Riley. Or let's see who this is. Likeable social media. I don't even know how this book got in my, I haven't read it yet. Just the fact that someone has a book doesn't mean that they're good. Just the fact that someone has gray hair or 80 years old doesn't mean they're good. And by the way, you got to look deeper. Let's say you find somebody, you want to start a coffee shop or something, and you find that they have a coffee shop. What if they inherited it? Like, that's not helpful. They're not going to have a lot of insight. So before you ask these questions, that's why I said, ask this important question, but only do it like once in a while because do some investigating because the medicine you get back is going to be so strong that it not only has the potential to heal your life, 
but it also, when overused, has the potential to backfire you, uh, backfire on you. I can't tell you how many people, you know, I do this inner circle thing where I have top business people come in and, and they work with me and do, I do consulting and this whole social thing. And I was just working with this one woman and I remember about a year ago, she's like, oh, I just ran into this person. She's absolute you know, whatever. I was like, why is this person so worth listening to? She's like, well, look, she has a book out. She has a podcast, a TV show. I can't remember all the little things, but like Mike told me, uh, the, the, uh, one of my, the, my third mentor in a sense, or one of the first mentors I had, he said, look, Ty, but is she worth a damn? So when it, just because someone has credentials, PhD, I got people work. I don't even have a college degree. I got people working for me with PhDs. Just the fact that they have a PhD doesn't mean anything. Every day you go out and earn it and you're either good or not. So when you ask this question, be careful that you're not asking to somebody who has false trappings. Like look into it a little bit. Doesn't mean they have to be perfect. If you've heard my talk where I call on a cast the first stone, don't look perfect for perfection because you'll never find it. But look for a level of respect, uh, earned respect that you should have. And don't just go off pieces of paper. Don't just go off the fact that someone has a book or this, that somebody has done public speaking. My recommendation, and I talk about this more, is go straight to the top. So the reason I read a book a day is in a sense, when I read these books, I'm asking the question, even though a lot of these people I read about are dead now or, you know, impossible to reach because they're billionaires up in high towers. It, the reason I read these books is because that's like me asking the question, like the Sam Walton book. I don't know where it is here. Try to find it, but Made in America. He wrote that book on his deathbed. So in effect, his book is basically saying, He's answering the question for you. He's going, everything I know about building a company that's going to approach a thousand billion dollar company, trillion dollar here soon, and a man who made $160,000 million or otherwise known as $160 billion, the reason that I read that book is that is him answering the question. He's dead. He's been dead for a long time, but I can get the answer. So the last thing I want to leave you with is as you read, go into the question, I mean, go into the book with this same question as if you're with them in person and they're answering the question, hey, if I had to do it all over, what would I do different? Or, hey, what would my advice be to someone who's in your shoes? And you can find that in books. Now, someone asked me, should I read fiction books? Should I be this? da 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 well, my answer is, look, you can read a variety of books, but read books that give you answers in this format. People distilling complicated things down into simple ones. You know, I was reading this book, Beyond Religion by the Dalai Lama. This is him like answering the question. If somebody asked him, what do you know? What would you do differently? What would you offer me? He's offering his advice. So I like to find books. Some people call that self-help books. Let's see if I can balance that without it falling. Uh, some people call that self-help. I just call it like answer my question books. Back when I was 16 years old, I, I you know I talk about this in my TED Talk, I would reach out to my grandpa, Charles, who at that time was the smartest person in the world. And I'm like, answer the questions. What religion should I follow? What politics? Who should I marry? What college I should go to? What career I should... I had all these questions. And he said to me, of course... 
you know, no one person will have all those answers. And he was right. Then he sent me the book, the stack of books from Will and Ariel Durant. And ever since then, it's gone in my head what he's trying to say. The answers that you want are also from people in books. Not all of them. I love to reach out and find people in person. Guys like Joel Salatin, Alan Nation. I saw Warren Buffett in person, Charlie Monger, Bill Gates. These people are still alive. You can find them too. But eventually, um, there is a value in getting their words when they're condensed. So find answers. Remember what Einstein said. Make things simple, but not simpler than they are. Meaning, don't look for just one word answers. Let's say, going back to this coffee shop analogy. You're like, oh, I want to start a coffee shop. If somebody just gives you the answer, well, make sure you have a good location. Like we, it's obvious that is not all it takes to start a coffee shop. So that's why I said have multiple versions of this question. Because if you just say to somebody and they're busy, you're sitting there at their coffee shop, hey, what would you do for me? And he just, and the, he or she turns to you and goes, oh, well, make sure you have a good location. That's how you know they're kind of giving you a BS answer. So then you follow up with the second question. You go, oh, okay, thanks. So location is important. But if you were me and you didn't want to make any of the mistakes that you made, what would you do? And that'll lead them. They'll be like, well, you know, I say location is important. Another thing I messed up is when I first started, you know, I imported coffee from Zimbabwe and I should have gotten it from Brazil. I don't know. I don't know anything about coffee. I don't even drink coffee, <laughs> by the way. But then they see, they just gave you new insight as you probed a little bit further with variation two. And then you still like, wow, there's got to be more because you remember what Einstein said, make things simple, but not simpler than they should be. So then you go, okay, uh, let me, then you let them talk. Don't like hit them with rapid fire. Then your third thing, you can just look at them and go, you know, this is awesome. Thanks so much for this advice on the coffee shop. One last question. If you had to, if you knew this is your last day on the earth and your son and daughter wanted to follow in your footsteps in the coffee field uh, industry and you had to leave them, you had an hour to leave them a quick set of answers on the top five rules that they should follow, what would that notebook say? That's when you get the most insight because sometimes the person will be like, I wouldn't go into the coffee industry and then sometimes it saves you a whole lifetime of going down the wrong industry. Or they might say, you know what I would do? I'd make a coffee shop, but I would do it inside of a hotel. And so you, then your whole idea heads down a different direction. I'm trying to show you how to save literally 10, 20 years off your life, live the good life, have, left, have less mistakes. But again, you know, I'm filming here in my library because for those of you that aren't necessarily here in Hollywood and you're not surrounded by... Uh, and meeting and networking with amazing people. I can talk about Dick Marconi. That's a hard guy to meet, you know? Started Herbalife, one of the biggest companies in the world. I was lucky enough to meet him in person, but even before I had access like I do now to more to people to meet in person, I was using books. Most of these great people have books. So do some live, do some in person, some audiobooks, some YouTube. You can combine it. Write down, remember, and, and this I wanna I wanna say. Um, here's my question to you. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment, podcast, leave this as a review. I read these. Answer this question and do it for yourself. There's a power in answering a question, okay? The question is, who should you reach out and ask this question to, or the variation of this question, who, and how are you going to get to them? So your answer might be, I want to learn from Gandhi and I'm going to read his autobiography. I have it right over there somewhere. 
Or maybe you're like, I want to open up a online business and I want to ask, I don't know, uh, Elon Musk, who started PayPal, his experience in online. Well, I had a guy I do a boot camp sometimes in my house, Frank, and, and I, he heard me give a talk or a variation of this talk. And the next time I saw him a week or two later, he's like, you're not going to believe this. I just was, I just had lunch with Elon Musk or $7 billion. My friend's just 27 years old, starting out in Hollywood. I said, how'd you do that? He's like, well, I heard your talk. I mapped out the guy, the people that I'd like to hear from. And it was Elon Musk. And I wrote him an email and he wrote back and said, come by the office. You'd be surprised. It's a competitive world, but people are operating at such low levels of, uh, I call it high levels of LH, which you don't want, learned helplessness, and low levels of learned optimism and learned action. So you'd be surprised who you'll reach out to. I've had incredibly uh, good success reaching out to the top of the top. So the question, again, if you want to email this to me, it's tytylopez.com. Twitter is great, at tylopez. Tweet back to me. Give me, because the process of writing this down makes it more likely to happen. I don't believe in like magic that you just manifest it by saying, I'm a practical person. I don't know that I believe all that. But I do believe that a level of rewiring your brain comes from some level of intention. So tweet that out if you're on a site. By the way, check out the 67 Steps new version coming out on my site, tylopez.com. Uh, leave a comment, leave a review on uh, on iTunes or wherever you're listening on my site. And remember, Memorize this question. Get little flashcards. Write out the question, the three variations. Go back, listen to this again. Write all three of them down. Memorize them. There's much too little memorization. I don't know why. I had a friend, she, I don't know, this. it wasn't even my friend, it was an acquaintance, and they were like, yeah, I'm getting a job, a job at Long John Silver's, like the worst restaurant or whatever, like a fast food restaurant. And I they were supposed to go somewhere with us. And they're like, oh, I'm busy. I said, what are you doing? They're like, I'm memorizing the 80 items on the menu so I can have a minimum wage job. It's funny. People will memorize a menu for a BS job. But I'm, when I tell people, memorize this question, they're like, huh, you want me to memorize? Like, that's so hard. So don't be that person. Remember, to get what you want, you have to deserve it. To deserve it, you have to do things that other people won't do. Most people won't leave a comment. Most people won't send me an email, following up, putting a commitment to here's the question, here's the people I want to ask and here's how I'm going to, I'm going to find them. All right. So, uh, and again, remember the one thing when you're face to face, you need to give them a little background because sometimes just blurting out, Hey, what, what should I do with my coffee shop? They don't know enough about you. So I always give a little bit of bio. I'm like, look, my name's Ty. I live in Hollywood. I'm an investor. I want to expand my, you know, if I met Warren Buffett, I've got, you know, a handful of portfolio businesses that I bought or started now and I'm buying, reselling, growing. If you were me, what would you do to get to where you are now, Mr. Buffett or Mr. Gates or, you know, I'm not sure what you call the Dalai Lama, Mr. Dama, Mr. Lama, Mr. Dali. Uh, and you'll get an amazing answer if you use the variations and give a little preface to it. Okay. So I hope that's been helpful. And uh, I'll be sure to read your comment and uh, talk to you soon.